Glenn Fritzler lives about a mile from where he was born. Following in his parents' footsteps, he farms land near the South Platte River, about 40 miles northeast of Denver. Glenn used to grow lettuce, potatoes, sweet corn, and carrots for hungry consumers along the Front Range. I love being a farmer. Every day you wear a different hat. I mean, you can be, oh my gosh, you know, a tractor driver one day or a businessman, you know, and so you're not doing the same job every day. It doesn't become monotonous. But some boredom might be welcome these days. Glenn is facing challenges few in the arid west could imagine. Too much water. We're seeing water in our basement. Uh, we're seeing cracks in our, in our foundation. Fritzler is a fit man who looks closer to 30 than 60 years old. He walks us through his basement that has a network of French drains and pumps he put in to keep the rising groundwater out. He spent $50,000 to remedy the problem in about 2010, and then they had to come up with another 30000 to manage the high groundwater a year later. And we were out of town one time, and the pumps failed, and my wife was ready to divorce me. She says, I want out of that house. She, it's, it's, it's no fun when you come home and your house smells like... Uh, uh, mold and mildew. But keeping his basement dry is only part of the problem. Water is seeping up from the ground into his fields. In an arid environment like the plains of Colorado, when water comes to the surface, it brings up salts, which rob the fields of productivity. But with the, if the groundwater is, is high, you're not able to get that percolation like you used to be able to. So the, the, the salinity is, comes to the surface and in places it gets bad enough to where nothing will grow, even weeds won't grow. We started noticing damage about 2010. They actually started to rise, we believe, about 2006. That's Trudy Peterson, town administrator for Tiny Gilcrest, just south of Glen's Farm. Not only have basements and foundations been damaged in Gilcrest, but the water came up so high it caused bubbles to form in wastewater lagoons, tearing the liners. Repairing them cost the small town $1.3 million. Do you know why the groundwater started rising? They, I think there's a, there are a number of reasons why. One of the reasons that has been talked about widely is the, the change in how the state administers groundwater and um, a lot of wells around this area were decommissioned. Why did they shut down the wells? Well, the town has been here since the late 1800s, and since that time, there hadn't been a high water problem. Um, as I understand it, in about 2000, there was some litigation involving the downriver users around Sterling and Julesburg that they were not getting their appropriate river allocations. And so that litigation then led to a settlement that changed how the state engineer administered water. And I about 1,800 wells were curtailed yeah. in, in that couple year period. Meaning farmers couldn't use the groundwater beneath their fields when they ran out of surface supplies. And by not pumping, the water table rose. To make the situation worse, state law since about 2006 forced well owners to find replacement water to add to the aquifer if they pumped, something called augmentation. But that additional water, it could take years to migrate to the river. Very simplistic in my mind is when the bathtub is full, you turn off the water, you pull the plug, one or the other. Neither thing is happening. So now instead of pumping wells, they're pumping water out of their basements. It's very expensive. The, um, the systems to install to begin with can be upwards of twenty-five to $30,000. And then, of course, you've got the electric cost for the pumps. 
um, to keep pumping 24 hours a day. That's a lot for a town where the median income is $42,000 a year. Um, we're, we're just a tiny little town that's trying to figure out ways to uh, mitigate a, a, a really large problem that's causing a damage. It's also causing a lot of expenditure that uh, we wouldn't need to be doing if the water levels had stayed at historic levels. Even as Gilcrest residents are trying to get the water out, farmers there still need to get it in to grow their crops. That means coming up with augmentation water if they want to pump when their surface supplies run dry. Coming up with a so-called augmentation plan means hiring engineers and lawyers, an expensive proposition. Add to that, prices for water are increasing as front-range cities and towns buy up water rights. And after all that time and expense, someone could still object to a farmer's augmentation plan in water court. Farmers told us that instead of going to trial and presenting evidence to a judge, they would compromise, even if the plan they agreed to may not be based on the best engineering or science. The result is the water system that protects the rights of senior water users at the expense of other farmers who may be sitting on top of massive quantities of water. Water they are forbidden to touch, even if it wrecks their fields and cracks their foundations. It's very heartbreaking. There's been a, a big change in the crop mix that's grown, pri primarily in this Gilcrest, LaSalle, and Plotville area. That's Randy Ray. He's the director of the Central Colorado Water Conservancy District. A big part of his job is to help find replacement water for about six to 700 farmers in the area so they can pump their wells to some extent. It was a, it was a big potato and onion um, area. And with the inability of having adequate groundwater use, it's, it's forced a lot of those growers to give up those crops. And uh, there used to be big packing houses in Gilchrist and Millican and Platteville. Um, LaSalle was famous for its pickle docks, you know. There was lots of different uh, commodities that were grown in the area, and, and it's nothing like it used to be. We've seen a lot of those small, smaller agribusiness entities, they've closed up shop. It's just a different world out there these days. To the farmers, the solution seems obvious. Just let them pump their wells. They can't do that under Colorado water law because if they pumped that groundwater and consumed it, that's a depletion that occurs in the system. It's got to be replaced at some point in time. Colorado water law, also known as the prior appropriation system, is enshrined in the state's constitution. The legal arrangement allocates the resource, but when it comes to the question of fairness or responding to problems created by the law, like the high water in Gilcrest, it offers nothing. Again, Glenn Fritzler. You know, they, they say, oh, you can turn these wells on, and if you return the water to the river, no problem, that's called dewatering. The problem is there's no way to do that without spending millions and millions of dollars. It's fixing the symptom, it's not fixing the problem. The, the problem is these wells were curtailed more than they needed to be. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to ask the legislation to pass what we call real-time management. Real-time management proposes using data to measure what's in the snowpack, what's below the ground, and what's in reservoirs to manage supplies in real time for the good of all. It would allow the state engineer to make decisions based on water levels beneath farms and weigh the cost and benefit of pumping. We still want it. We still believe in prior appropriations, and we're not wanting to come and steal anybody else's water, but we would like the ability to, if you're being damaged by groundwater, um, to use it, to put it to beneficial use. 
meaning if the water is so high it's going to damage his house or fields, he could pump a small amount and not harm a downstream user. But he adds, water along the South Platte is contentious. And so I think there's ways of doing it, but right now the opposition doesn't want to hear it. Any, they, they just don't want to have anything to do with it. But we've got to do something here in Colorado that changes the way that they administrate water. People are trying to find solutions. Each month, a group of engineers, state officials, and farmers get together to discuss the issue. But so far, nothing concrete has developed. Real-time management, like Fritzler wants, would probably require a change to the state constitution, which is highly unlikely given the politics around water. If the problem doesn't get solved, it could mean a blow to agriculture in the state and leave farmers underwater, both physically and financially. To go more in-depth about the high water in northeast Colorado, go to our website at h2oradio.org. From Gilcrest, Colorado, I'm Franny Halperin. And I'm Jamie Sudler.